Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Classes of Mail. My name is Alan Gigax, and today we are going to read Article 15 of the Joint Agreement. This one is about the grievance and arbitration procedure. So we'll get to learn about how grievances are filed and the proper steps that everything is supposed to include. So let's get started. 15.1, Section 1, Definition. A grievance is defined as a dispute, difference, disagreement, or complaint between the parties related to wages, hours, and conditions of employment. A grievance shall include, but is not limited to, the complaint of an employee or of the union, which involves the interpretation, application of, or compliance with the provisions of this agreement, or any local memorandum of understanding not in conflict with this agreement. Broad Grievance Clause Article 15.1 sets forth a broad definition of a grievance. This means that most work-related disputes may be pursued through the grievance arbitration procedure. The language recognizes that most grievances will involve the national agreement or a local memorandum of understanding. Other types of disputes that may be handled within the grievance procedure may include alleged violations of postal handbooks or manuals, Article 19, Alleged violations of other enforceable agreements between the NALC and the Postal Service, such as building our future by working together, and the Joint Statement on Violence and Behavior in the Workplace. In his award in National Case Blah Blah Blah, Arbitrator Snow found that the Joint Statement constitutes a contractually enforceable agreement between the parties and, the, and that the Union has access to the grievance procedure to resolve disputes arising under it. Additionally, in his discussion of the case, Snow writes that arbitrators have the flexibility in formulating remedies to consider removing a supervisor from his or her administrative duties if a violation is found. Note, the national parties disagree over the meaning of administrative duties. Disputes concerning the rights of ill or injured employees, such as claims concerning fitness for duty exams, first aid treatment, compliance with the provisions of ELM Section 540 and other regulations concerning OWCP claims, and there's a citation here. However, decisions of the Office of Workers' Compensation Programs, OWCP, are not grievable, are not grievable matters. OWCP has the exclusive authority to adjudicate compensation claims and to determine the medical suitability of proposed limited-duty assignments. Alleged violations of law, Article 5. Other complaints relating to wages, hours, or conditions of employment. 15.2 Informal Step A. Section 2. Grievance Procedure Steps. Informal Step A. A. Any employee who feels aggrieved must discuss the grievance with the employee's immediate supervisor within 14 days of the date on which the employee or the union first learned or may reasonably have been expected to have learned of its cause. This constitutes the informal Step A filing date. The employee, if he or she so desires, may be accompanied and represented by the employee's steward or a union representative. During the meeting, the parties are encouraged to jointly review all, all relevant documents to facilitate resolution of the dispute. The union, may also, all, the union also may initiate a grievance at informal step A within 14 days of the date of the union first became aware, or reasonably should have become aware of, the facts giving rise to the grievance. In such case, the participation of an individual grievance is not required. An informal Step A union grievance may involve a complaint affecting more than one employee in the office. 
An employee or union representative must discuss the grievance with the employee's immediate supervisor within 14 calendar days of when the grievance or the union first learned or may reasonably have been expected to learn of its cause. The date of this discussion is the informal Step A filing date. If the union initiates a grievance on behalf of an individual, the individual's the individual grievance participation in a formal all right. If the union initiates a grievance on behalf of an individual, the individual grievance participation, as in its grievance apostrophe s, the individual grievance participation in an informal step A meeting is neither required nor prohibited. If a letter carrier instead files his or her own grievance, management must give the steward or other union representative the opportunity to be present during any portion of the discussion which involves adjustment or settlement of the grievance. And there's a citation here. Should the grievance affect more than one employee in the office, the union may initiate a class grievance on behalf of all affected employees. All right, going forward, uh, grievance and grievance are pronounced the same. So if it's ever grievant apostrophe S, then I will let you know. Otherwise, just assume it's grievance like the document. I'm filing a grievance. All right, going on. Time limits. The 14 days for filing a grievance at informal step A begins the day after the occurrence or the day after the grievant or the union may reasonably have been expected to have learned of the occurrence. For example... If a grievant receives a letter of warning, day one of the 14 days is the day after the letter of warning is received. Continuing violations. These are an exception to the general rule stated above. In such and such citation, National Arbitrator Mittenthal explained the theory of continuing violations as follows. Assume for the moment, consistent with federal for court filings, that the Postal Service incorrectly calculated FLSA overtime for TCOLA recipients under the ELM. Each such error would have been a separate and distinct violation. We are not dealing here with a single isolated occurrence. Management was involved in a continuing violation of the ELM. The affected employees, or NELC, could properly have grieved the violation on any day the miscalculation took place, and such grievance would have been timely, provided it was submitted within the 14-day time limit set forth in Article 15. This is precisely the kind of case where a continuing violation theory seems applicable. To rule otherwise would allow an improper pay practice to be frozen forever into the ELM by the mere failure of some employee initially to challenge that practice within the relevant 14-day period. 15.2 Step A B Informal Step A B B in any such discussion, the supervisor shall have authority to resolve the grievance. The steward or other union representative likewise shall have authority to resolve the grievance in whole or in part. The local parties are not prohibited from using the joint Step A grievance form to memorialize a resolution reached at an informal Step A meeting. No resolution reached as a result of such discussion shall be precedent for any purpose. During the informal Step A discussion, the supervisor and the steward, unless the grievant represents themselves, have the authority to resolve the grievance. Both parties must use the JCAM as their guide to the contract. A resolution at this informal stage does not establish a precedent. With, while either representative may consult with higher levels of management or the union on an issue in dispute, this section establishes that the parties to the initial discussion of a grievance retain independent authority to settle the dispute. 15.2 Step A C 
Informal step A, C. If no resolution is reached as a result of such discussion, the union shall be entitled to file a written appeal to formal step A of the grievance procedure within seven days of the date of the discussion. Such appeal shall be made by completing the informal step A portion of the joint step A grievance form. At the request of the union, the supervisor shall print his or her name on the joint step A grievance form and initial, confirming the date of the discussion. If the parties are unable to resolve the grievance during the informal Step A meeting, the union may file a written appeal to to formal Step A within seven calendar days after the meeting. The time limits for filing a grievance at informal Step A or appealing to formal Step A may be extended by mutual agreement. The steward appeals a grievance to formal Step A by filling out the informal Step A portion of the NALC-USPS Joint Step A Grievance Form, PS Form 8190 and sending it to the installation head or designee. The grievance appeal to Formal Step A should include relevant documents that were shared and discussed at the Informal Step A meeting. When appealing a grievance to Formal Step A, Day 1 is the day following the receipt of the supervisor's oral decision. In appealing any grievance beyond Informal Step A, a union representative has until the last day to send the appeal. Thus, the appeal must be sent if faxed or emailed, postmarked if mailed, or received if hand-delivered, on or before the seventh day following the informal Step A decision. For example, on the tenth if the decision is received on the third. To avoid problems, union representatives should not wait until the last day. 15.2 informal, oh, 15.2 formal Step A. 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 The Joint Step A Grievance Form the joint Step A grievance form appealing a grievance to formal Step A shall be filed with the installation head or designee. In any associate post office of 20 or less employees, the employer shall designate an official outside of the installation as the formal Step A official and shall so notify the union formal Step A representative. B. Any grievance initiated at Formal Step A, pursuant to Article 2 or 14 of this agreement, must be filed by submitting a Joint Step A grievance form directly with the installation head within 14 days of the date on which the union or the employee first learned or may reasonably have been expected to have learned of its cause. The same 14-day limit applicable for grievances filed at Informal Step A is applicable for those grievances that may be filed directly at Formal Step A. Grievances that may, but not need but need not be filed directly at formal step A are discrimination. Article 2 of the agreement of the agreement Alright, the grievances that may but not one more time. Grievances that may but need not be filed directly at formal step A are discrimination. Article 2 of the agreement forbids discrimination against employees because of race, color, creed, religion, national origin, sex, age, marital status, or, if the employee employee can adequately perform the job, physical handicap. Any grievance relating to this provision may be initiated at formal step A within 14 days of when the employee or the union has first learned or may reasonably have been expected to have learned of the alleged discrimination. Safety and health. Article 14.2 provides that if an employee believes that he or she is being required to work under unsafe conditions, the employee may notify his or her steward, if available, who may discuss the alleged unsafe condition with the employee's supervisor. Notify his or her supervisor, who will immediately investigate the condition and take corrective action if necessary. 
If no corrective action is taken during the employee's tour, the steward may file a grievance at formal step A of the grievance procedure within 14 days of notifying the employee's supervisor. 15.2, formal step A, C. C. The installation head or designee will meet with the steward or a union representative as expeditiously as possible, but no later than seven days following the receipt of the joint step A grievance form unless the parties agree upon a later date. In all grievances at formal step A, the grievance shall be represented for all purposes by a steward or a union representative who shall have authority to resolve the grievance as a result of discussions or compromise in this step. The installation head or designee also shall have authority to resolve the grievance in whole or in part. D. At the meeting, the union representative shall make a full and detailed statement of facts relied upon, contractual provisions involved, and remedies sought. The union representative may also furnish written statements from witnesses or other individuals. The employer representative shall also make a full and detailed statement of facts and contractual provisions relied upon. The party's representative shall cooperate fully in the effort to develop all necessary facts, including the exchange of copies of all relevant papers and, or documents in accordance with Articles 17 and 31. The party's representatives may mutually agree to jointly interview witnesses where desirable to assure full development of all facts and contentions. In addition, in cases involving discharge in addition, in cases involving discharge, either party shall have the right to present no more than two witnesses. Such rights shall not preclude the parties from jointly agreeing to interview additional witnesses as provided above. The formal Step A meeting must be held between the installation head or designee and the branch president or designee as soon as possible, but no later than seven calendar days after the installation head receives the joint Step A grievance form, unless the parties agree to an extension. The party's representatives at formal Step A shall have the authority to settle or withdraw grievances in whole or in part. Both parties must work together to ensure that each grievance is fully developed. The union representative at the formal Step A meeting shall discuss fully the union's position, violation alleged, and corrective action requested. Moreover, the union is entitled to furnish written statements from witnesses or other individuals who have information pertaining to the grievance. Both parties are required to state in detail the facts and and contract provisions relied upon to support their positions. The Postal Service is also required to furnish to the Union, if requested, any documents or statements of witnesses provided for in Article 17.3 and Article 31.3. In non-discharge cases, parties can mutually agree to jointly interview witnesses at the formal Step A meeting. In discharge cases, either party can present two witnesses at the meeting, with additional witnesses possible should the parties so mutually agree. As provided in Article 17.4, all witnesses present will be on the clock while traveling to and from the formal Step A meeting and while in attendance at the formal Step A meeting. The union determines whether the grievance, and that's grievance apostrophe S, the union determines whether the grievance presence is necessary at the formal Step A meeting. And there's a citation here. Preference eligible employees. Grievances concerning proposed removal actions, which are subject to the 30-day notification period in Article 16.5, will be held at formal step A of the grievance procedure until the decision letter is issued. Consistent with the dispute resolution process memorandum and Appendix B, 
3. Other Provisions, Section E, Article 16, Discipline Procedure, the employee will remain on the job or on the clock until after the Step B decision has been rendered or 14 days after the appeal is received at Step B, except for emergency or crime situations as provided for in Article 16.6 and 16.7. The union does not file a separate grievance on the decision letter. Rather, the union may make additions to the file based on the decision letter at either formal Step A or Step B. This does not preclude any arguments by management regarding the relevance of the additions. Grievances concerning proposed removal actions, which are not subject to the 30-day notification period in Article 16.5, are not held at the formal Step A level pending receipt of the decision letter. Rather, the union may later add the decision letter to the proposed removal grievance. This does not preclude any arguments by management regarding the relevance of the additions. 15.2 Informal Step A Part E E. Any resolution of a grievance in Formal Step A shall be in writing or shall be noted on the Joint Step A grievance form, but shall not be precedent for any purpose, unless the parties specifically so agree to develop an agreement to dispose of future, future similar or related problems. If the grievance is resolved, a copy of the resolution will be sent to the steward and supervisor who initially were unable to resolve the grievance. F. The formal Step A decision is to be made and the joint Step A grievance form completed the day of the meeting, unless the time frame is mutually extended. The union may appeal an impasse to Step B within seven days of the date of the decision. Formal Step A decision. The parties must make the formal Step A decision and complete the joint Step A grievance form on the day of the meeting, unless they agree to extend the time limit. Copies of the completed form must be sent to the steward and supervisor who failed to resolve the dispute at informal Step A. Resolutions and withdrawals at formal Step A do not establish a precedent unless the parties specifically agree otherwise or develop an agreement to dispose of future similar or related problems. If the grievance is resolved, copies of the resolution must be sent to the steward and supervisor who discuss the grievance at informal step A. Appeal to step B. If the grievance is not resolved at formal step A, the union may appeal it to step B within seven calendar days of the formal step A decision date, unless the parties agree to an extension of time for appeal. 15.2 Formal Step A Part G G Additions and corrections to the formal Step A record may be submitted by the union with the Step B appeal letter within the time frame for initiating the Step B appeal with a copy to the, to the management formal Step A official. Any such statement must be included in the file as part of the grievance record in the case. Additions and corrections. The union may submit written additions and corrections to the formal Step A record with the Step B appeal within the time limit for filing an appeal to Step B. The filing of any additions or corrections does not extend the time limits for filing the appeal to Step B. At the same time, a copy of the additions and corrections must be sent to the management formal Step A official. Management may respond by sending additional information to the Step B team, which is directly related to the union's additions and corrections, provided that it is received prior to the Step B decision. At the same time, a copy must be sent to the union formal Step A representative. Any statement of additions and corrections must be included in the file as part of the grievance record in the case. A steward is entitled to time on the clock to write the union statement of additions or corrections. And there's a citation here. 
15.2, step B, step B, A. A, any appeal from an unresolved case in formal step A shall be in writing to the step B team at the appropriate step B office with a copy to the formal step A representatives and will include a copy of the joint step A grievance form and shall specify the reasons for the appeal. Step B, dispute resolution teams. The Step B teams each consist of two Step B representatives, one appointed by the NALC and the other by the Postal Service. Appeals of unresolved cases at formal Step A are made in writing to the Step B dispute resolution team. The parties at the national level have agreed any arguments and facts brought forth at either informal or formal Step A and properly included in the PS Form 8190-case file are incorporated in the Step B decision and any of this material may be cited in the event of arbitration. 15.2 Step B. 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 The Step B team will review the appeal and issue a joint report of the decision and any supporting findings within 14 days of the receipt of the appeal at Step B unless the parties mutually agree to extend the 14-day period. The Step B team will give priority consideration to discussion and decision of removal cases, followed by emergency procedure cases. In the event related removal and emergency procedure cases involving, involving the same grievance are awaiting decision at Step B, the team shall give such consideration to those cases consecutively. It is the responsibility of the Step B team to ensure that the facts and contentions of grievances are fully developed and considered, and resolved grievances jointly. The Step B team may 1. Resolve the grievance. 2. Declare an impasse. 3. Hold the grievance pending resolution of a representative case or national interpretive case. Or 4. Remand the grievance with specific instructions. In any case where the Step B team mutually concludes that relevant facts or contentions were not developed adequately in formal Step A, they have the authority to return the grievance to the formal Step A level for full development of all facts and further consideration at that level. If the grievance is remanded, the party's representatives of formal Step A shall meet within seven days after the grievance is returned to the formal Step A. Thereafter, the time limits and procedures applicable to formal Step A grievances shall apply. C. The written Step B joint report shall state the reasons in detail and shall include a statement of any additional facts and contentions not previously set forth in the record of the grievance as appealed from formal Step A. The Step B team will attach a list of all documents included in the file. Review. The Step B, repre the step B representatives work together in pairs and attempt to resolve grievances jointly. Both Step B representatives are responsible for ensuring that the facts and contentions of grievances are fully developed. The Step B representatives may restate or change a grievance's issue statement as appropriate. The Step B teams must give priority to considering and deciding removal, then 16.7, then 16.6 cases. Step B Decision the dispute resolution team must make a decision within 14 calendar days after receipt of the appeal from formal Step A, unless this time limit is mutually extended. The written Step B decision must state the reasons for the decision in detail and include a statement of any additional facts or contentions not set forth in the grievance as appealed from formal Step A. The Step B team must attach to the decision a list of all documents included in the file. 
The Step B decision establishes precedent only in the installation from which the grievance arose. For this purpose, precedent means that the decision is relied upon in dealing with subsequent similar cases to avoid the repetition of disputes on similar issues that have previously been decided in that installation. Step B decision types. In deciding a grievance, the team chooses among four options. It may resolve the grievance, impasse the grievance if the team cannot resolve it, remand the grievance to the formal Step A parties with specific instructions, or hold the decision pending resolution of a representative case or national interpretive case. Resolve. A resolved Step B decision may be a compromise settlement, a decision to uphold the grievance in its entirety, or a decision that there is no basis for the grievance. In all three cases, the dispute resolution team must produce a written decision stating the issue, the decision, and the detailed reasons supporting it. As part of the educational design of the dispute resolution process, the Step B decision should carefully explain the basis of every decision. When a grievance is resolved, the dispute resolution team must send copies of the Step B decision to union and management formal Step A representatives. Remand. The dispute resolution team may remand a grievance to the formal Step A parties with specific instructions for further development of the facts or contentions, or for other reasons as the team may determine. When a grievance is remanded, the party's formal Step A representatives must meet to discuss the grievance again within seven calendar days after the remand is returned to formal Step A. After that, the formal Step A time limits and procedures apply to the remanded grievance. Impasse. If the dispute resolution, resolution team cannot resolve a grievance, it issues a Step B decision called an impasse. A Step B impasse decision must state in detail the reasons for the impasse and also must include a statement of any additional facts and contentions not included in the formal Step A appeal. The dispute resolution team sends a Step B impasse decision to the NALC National Business Agent and to the union and management formal Step A representatives. Hold. Grievances may be held pending resolution of a representative case in accordance with the procedures described in Article 15.3.D. Grievances may also be held pending a national interpretive case in accordance with the procedures in Article 15.2, Step B, E, Article 15.2, Interpretive Step, and Article 15.3.F. 15.2, Step B, D, the National Business Agent, NBA, or designee may appeal an impasse directly to arbitration at the Grievance Arbitration Processing Center within 14 days after the receipt of the Step B impasse in accordance with the procedure here and after set forth. The National Business Agent may appeal an impasse grievance to arbitration within 14 calendar days after the receipt of the Step B decision. Once again, they have written exactly what it says in... The interpretation is like word for word identical to whatever. None of this gets us through this any faster. All right, moving on. 15.2 Step B, E. If either party's representative at Step B or the NBA or employer's area representatives thereafter maintains that the grievance involves an interpretive issue under the national agreement or some supplement thereto which may be of general application, the issue will be discussed with the appropriate national union slash management representatives at the headquarters level. If either party's national representative determines that the determines the issue to be interpretive, a written notice will be set to the other party 
specifying in detail the facts giving rise to the dispute, the precise interpretive issues to be decided, and the initiating party's contention. The grievance shall be held at the Step B level pending discussion at the national level or the outcome of a national arbitration award. If either member of the Step B team, the NBA, or USPS area representative believes that an impasse grievance involves an interpretive issue, the issue will be discussed with the appropriate national union slash management representatives at the headquarters level. When either party's national representative determines the issue to be interpretive, a written notice will be sent to the other party specifying in detail the facts giving rise to the dispute, the precise interpretive issues to be decided, and the initiating party's contentions. The grievance will be held at the Step B level pending settlement or arbitration of the issue at the national level. Interpretive Step Any in Interpretive Step in any interpretive dispute properly initiated at this step by the appropriate national union slash management representative, the parties shall meet at the national level promptly, but in no event later than 30 days after initiating such dispute in an effort to define the precise issues involved, develop all necessary facts, and reach agreement. The union representative shall have authority to resolve the dispute in whole or in part. The employer's representative shall have the authority to resolve the dispute in whole or in part. The party's national representatives may, by mutual agreement, return any dispute to step B where a. the parties agree that no national interpretive issue is fairly presented or b. it appears that all relevant facts have not been developed adequately. In such event, the parties shall meet at step B within 15 days after the dispute is returned to step B. Thereafter, the procedures and time limits applicable to Step B grievances shall apply. Should the parties at the national level fail to reach agreement, then within 15 days of such meeting, each party shall provide the other with a statement in writing of its understanding of the issues involved and the facts giving rise to the interpretive dispute. In the event the parties have failed to reach agreement within 60 days of the initiation of the dispute, the union may then appeal it to national arbitration within 30 days thereafter. Any local grievances filed on the specific interpretive issue shall be held in abeyance at the appropriate level pending resolution of the national interpretive dispute. Interpretive disputes are handled at the headquarters level in accordance with the above procedures. 15.3.A A. The parties expect that good faith observance by their, by their respective representatives of the principles and procedures set forth above will result in resolution of substantially all grievances initiated hereunder at the lowest possible step and recognize their obligation to achieve that end. At each step of the process, the parties are required to jointly review the Joint Contract Administration Manual. The contract specifically requires that at each step of the grievance arbitration process, the parties review the Joint Contract Administration Manual, JCAM. In a in the Article 15 Dispute Resolution Process Memorandum, the parties have committed to updating the JCAM no less than once during the term of the National Agreement. 15.3.B B. The failure of the employee or the union in informal Step A or the union thereafter to meet the prescribed time limits of the steps of this procedure, including arbitration, shall be considered as a waiver of the grievance. However, if the employer fails to raise the issue of timeliness at formal step A, or at the step at which the employee or union failed to meet the prescribed time limits, whichever is later, 
such objection to the processing of the grievance is waived. If management fails to raise the issue of timeliness in writing at formal step A or at the step at which the employee or union failed to meet the prescribed time limits, whichever is later, it waives the right to raise the issue at a later time. Management's obligations depend upon the step at which it asserts the grievance was untimely. If management asserts that a grievance is untimely filed at informal step A, it must raise the issue in the written formal step A decision, because formal step A is later than informal step A, or the objection is waived. It is not sufficient to assert during the informal step A meeting that a grievance is untimely. If management asserts that a grievance is untimely at formal step A or later, it must raise the objection in the written decision at the step at which the time limits were not met. 15.3.C. C. Failure by the employer to schedule a meeting or render a decision in any of the steps of this procedure within the time herein provided, including mutually agreed to extension periods, shall be deemed to move the grievance to the next step of the grievance arbitration procedure. Warning. Article 15.3.C can be easily misunderstood. It does not mean that grievances are automatically appealed if management fails to issue a timely decision. Rather, if management fails to issue a timely decision, unless the parties mutually agree to an extension, the union must appeal the case to the next step within the prescribed time limits if it wishes to pursue the grievance. In cases where management fails to issue a timely decision, the time limits for appeal to the next step are counted from the date management's decision was due. 15.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.3.
Effective with the 2006 National Agreement, the parties committed in advance that the resolution of the representative grievance will be applicable to the pending grievances which have been previously identified as held by the Area Manager of Labor Relations or his or her designee. 15.3.F. F. It is agreed that in the event of a dispute between the union and the employer as to the interpretation of this agreement, such dispute may be initiated at the national level by the President of the Union. Such a dispute shall be initiated in writing and must specify in detail the facts giving rise to the dispute, the precise interpretive issues to be decided, and the contention of the union. Thereafter, the parties shall meet at the interpretive step within 30 days in an effort to define the precise issues involved, develop all necessary facts, and reach agreement. Should they fail to agree then, within 15 days of such meeting, each party shall provide the other with a statement in writing of its understanding of the issues involved and the facts giving rise to such issues. In the event the parties have failed to reach an agreement within 60 days of the initiation of the dispute at the interpretive step, the union then may appeal it to arbitration within 30 days thereafter. Any local grievances filed on the specific interpretive issue shall be held in abeyance at the appropriate level pending the resolution of the national interpretive issue. Article 15.3.F authorizes the NALC president to file interpretive grievances directly at the national level and specifies the procedure to be used in handling such grievances. Any local grievances filed on a specific interpretive issue pending at the national level shall be held in abeyance at the appropriate level pending resolution of the national interpretive issue. 15.4.A. Section 4. Arbitration. A. General Provisions. 1. A request for arbitration shall be submitted within the specified time limit for appeal. Article 15.2, Step B provides that Step B impasses may be appealed to arbitration within 14 days after the receipt of the decision. 15.4.A.2. 15.4.2. 2. No grievance may be arbitrated at the national level except when timely notice of appeal is given the employer in writing by the national president of the union. No grievance may be appealed to regular or expedited arbitration except when timely notice of appeal is given in writing to the appropriate management official at the grievance arbitration processing center by the certified representative of the union. Such representative shall be certified to appeal grievances by the national president of the union to the employer at the national level. The NALC national business agents have been certified as the representatives authorized to appeal cases to regular or expedited arbitration. 15.4.8.3 3. All grievances appealed to arbitration will be placed on the appropriate pending arbitration list in the order in which appealed. The employer, in consultation with the union, will be responsible for maintaining appropriate dockets of grievances, as appealed, and for administrative functions necessary to assure efficient scheduling and hearing of cases by arbitrators at all levels. Article 15.4.8.3 must be read in conjunction with Article 15.5, which provides that the efficient functioning of the arbitration procedure is the joint responsibility of the parties. The Postal Service handles the purely administrative aspects of arbitration scheduling in accordance with the procedures and and policies negotiated with the Union. Cancellations While the Postal Service handles the purely administrative aspects of arbitration scheduling, it does not have the unilateral 
It does not have the unilateral right to cancel an arbitration hearing once it has been scheduled. A September 19, 1989 pre-arbitration settlement, there's the citation, provides that, quote, Except as provided under the national agreement, neither management nor the union may unilaterally cancel the hearing of a grievance scheduled for arbitration. End quote. Ex parte communication. This is strictly prohibited. Ex parte communication is any communication, whether orally or in writing, without the actual present or explicit advance concurrence of the other party. Merely providing the other party with a copy of communication with an arbitrator, for example with a CC, does not make ex parte communication permissible. An exception to this rule is communication in the ordinary course of business regarding necessary routine scheduling matters. In order to underscore the importance of this issue, the parties have agreed to the following Memorandum of Understanding, dated April 11, 1988, and there's a citation. Memorandum of Understanding. The United States Postal Service and the National Association of Letter Carriers, AFL-CIO, agree that in order to maintain the integrity of the orbital process, the parties and their agents, employees, and representatives should avoid the least appearance of impropriety when making contact with an arbitrator. The parties must maintain an arm's-length relationship with the arbitrator at all times. Ex parte communications with an arbitrator regarding the merits of a dispute, whether oral or written, shall not be permitted. Whenever it is necessary to contact an arbitrator relative to the merits of a matter in dispute, the contact must in all instances be made jointly or with the concurrence of both parties. Ex parte communications made in the ordinary course of business regarding necessary routine scheduling matters are permissible. Any dispute arising from the constraints of this agreement must be brought to the attention of the parties signing this agreement at the national level. And that's the end of the memo. If one party's representative decides to close orally, the other party's representative will not be excluded from the hearing during closing arguments. When filing post-hearing briefs, at the time either party files its brief, a copy must be sent to the other party. The party who orally closes at its discretion may request leave from the arbitrator at the arbitration hearing to file a reply brief when they receive the other party's brief. And there's a citation. A copy of the reply brief must be sent to the other party when it is sent to the arbitrator. National Arbitrator Snow held in blah 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 that the employer violated the party's collective bargaining agreement when it engaged in ex parte communication with an arbitrator during an in-camera inspection of evidence in the presence of only the employer's advocate. The party should scrupulously avoid, or rather the party should scrupulously observe the prohibition against ex parte communication with an arbitrator. Any violation of these rules should be brought to the immediate attention of the responsible officials. And there's a citation. 15.4.A.4. 4. In order to avoid the loss of available hearing time, except in national-level cases, backup cases should be scheduled to be heard in the event of late settlement or withdrawal of grievances before hearing. The designated advocates will discuss the scheduled cases at least 30 days prior to the scheduled hearing date, if possible. In the event that either party withdraws a case less than five days prior to the scheduled arbitration date, and the parties are unable to agree on scheduling another case on that date, the party withdrawing the case shall pay the full costs of the arbitrator for that date. In the event that the parties settle a case, or either party withdraws a case five days or 
or more prior to the scheduled arbitration date, the backup case on the appropriate arbitration list shall be scheduled. If the parties settle a case less than five days prior to the scheduled arbitration date and are unable to agree to schedule another case, the parties shall share the costs of the arbitrator for that date. This paragraph shall not apply to national-level arbitration cases. Article 15.4.8.4 provides backup cases to avoid the loss of hearing dates. It is administered by the National Business Agents and the Postal Service Grievance Arbitration Processing Center. It requires the parties designated advocates to discuss scheduled arbitration cases at least 30 days prior to the scheduled hearing date, if possible. Arbitration hearings... Oh, 15.4.8.5. 5. Arbitration hearings normally will be held during working hours where practical. Employees whose attendance as witnesses is required at hearings during their regular working hours shall be on employer time when appearing at the hearing, provided the time spent as a witness is part of the employee's regular working hours. Union witnesses are considered on the clock while appearing at an arbitration hearing during their regular working hours. However, National Arbitrator Mittenthal held in blah 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 that the Postal Service is not required to pay union witnesses for the time spent traveling to and from arbitration hearings. 15.4.8.6 6. All decisions of an arbitrator will be final and binding. All decisions of arbitrators shall be limited to the terms and provisions of this agreement, and in no event may the terms and provisions of this agreement be altered, amended, or modified by an arbitrator. Unless otherwise in Unless otherwise provided in this article, all costs, fees, and expenses charged by an arbitrator will be shared equally among the parties. The decisions of arbitrators are final and binding. Arbitration is the last step of the grievance arbitration procedure, and there are no further contractual avenues for management or the union to challenge or appeal an arbitration award. The parties have agreed that filing a grievance for the enforcement of an arbitration award is permitted under Article 15 of the National Agreement. 15.4.8.7 7. All arbitrators on the regular panels and the expedited panels on the national panel shall serve for the term of this agreement and shall continue to serve for six months after the conclusion of the collective bargaining process for a successor agreement unless the parties otherwise mutually agree. 15.4.8.8. 8. Arbitrators on the national and on the regular and expedited panel shall be selected by the method agreed upon by parties at the national level. The appointment of arbitrators to serve on the various panels is administered at the national level. 15.4.8.9. In any arbitration proceeding in which a union feels that its interest may be affected, it shall be entitled to intervene and participate in such arbitration proceeding, but it shall be required to share the cost of such arbitration equally with any or all other union parties to such proceeding. Any dispute as to arbitrary... Any dispute as to arbitrability may be submitted to the arbitrator and be determined by such arbitrator. The arbitrator's decision shall be final and binding. Intervention. This provision gives postal unions the right to intervene in each other's arbitration proceedings if they feel that their interests may be affected. Arbitrator Britton held in case blah 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 concerning NALC and the NRLCA 
that the right of a postal union to intervene in a jurisdictional case is not contingent upon the two unions being signatory to a joint contract. The NALC, when it has intervened in an area-level arbitration case pursuant to the provisions of Article 15, Section 4.8.9, has the right to refer the case to the national level to be handled in accordance with the interpretive step procedures. And there's a citation. The Postal Service agrees that the NALC should be provided with timely notice when a grievance from another union is rescheduled for regular arbitration after the NALC intervenes in the initial arbitration hearing and the case, or issue, is subsequently referred to the national level and then rescheduled for regular arbitration. In the event the NALC is not provided timely notice and does not otherwise participate in the rescheduled hearing, the NALC will not be bound by the resulting arbitration award between the Postal Service and the other union. And here's another citation. 15.4.B. B. Arbitration. Regular. 1. At the Grievance Arbitration Processing Center, three separate lists of cases to be heard in arbitration shall be maintained. A. One for all removal cases and cases involving suspensions for more than 14 days. B. One for all cases referred to expedited arbitration. And C. One for all other cases appealed to regular arbitration. Separate panels will be established for scheduling A. Removal cases and cases involving suspension for more than 14 days. B. For all cases referred to expedited arbitration. And C. For all other cases appealed to regular arbitration. 2. Cases will be scheduled for arbitration in the order in which appealed unless the union and employer otherwise agree. 3. Only discipline cases involving suspensions of 14 days or less and those other disputes as may be mutually determined by the parties shall be referred to expedited arbitration in accordance with Section C hereof. 4. Cases referred to arbitration, which involve removals or suspensions for more than 14 days, shall be scheduled for hearing at the earliest possible date in the order in which appealed. As provided by Article 15.4.8.3, the Postal Service is responsible for the administrative functions necessary to schedule cases in accordance with Article 15.4.B.1-4. National Arbitrator Snow held in blah 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 that Article 15.4.B.4 does not preclude an arbitrator from granting a continuance in a removal hearing pending resolution of an underlying disciplinary grievance. 15.4.B.5 5. If either party concludes that a case referred to regular arbitration involves an interpretive issue under the national agreement or some supplement thereto which may be of general application, that party's representative shall request input from their appropriate national representatives at the headquarters level. If either party's representative at the headquarters level determines the case is interpretive, a notice will be sent to the other party. The case will be held pending the outcome of the national interpretive dispute. If both parties' representatives determine the case does not involve an interpretive issue, the case, if already scheduled for arbitration, will be heard before the same arbitrator who was originally scheduled to hear the case. Further, if the hearing had convened, the case will continue at the same stage of arbitration. Either party's headquarters representatives may, upon appropriate notice to the other party, initiate an interpretive dispute concerning a grievance referred to regular arbitration. This may be done at any time prior to the issuance of the arbitrator's decision. And there's a citation here. The case will be held pending the outcome of the national interpretive dispute. 
If both parties' headquarters representatives determine the case does not involve an interpretive issue, the case, if already scheduled for arbitration, will be heard before the same arbitrator who was originally scheduled to hear the case. Further, if the hearing had convened, the case will continue at the same stage of arbitration. It is agreed that either party may place a case appealed to regional arbitration on hold pursuant to Article 15.4.B.5 of the 2001-2006 National Agreement, pending the consideration of an interpretive issue by their national representative at any point prior to an arbitrator issuing a written decision. And there's a citation here. 15.4.B.6. 6. The arbitrators on each regular panel shall be scheduled to hear cases on a rotating system basis unless otherwise agreed by the parties. 7. Normally there will be no transcripts of arbitration hearings or filing of post-hearing briefs in cases heard in regular arbitration, except either party at the national level may request a transcript and either party at the hearing may request to file a post-hearing brief. However, each party may file a written statement setting forth its understanding of the facts and issues and its arguments at the beginning of the hearing and also shall be given an adequate opportunity to present argument at the conclusion of the hearing. Transcripts. Article 15.4.B.7 prohibits either party to an arbitration from seeking a transcript without notifying the other party in advance at the headquarters level. After receiving such notification, the national office informs the advocate and other interested representatives. If one party requests a transcript, that party bears the full cost, unless the other party requests a copy, in which case the expenses will be shared. By mutual agreement, a copy may be provided to the arbitrator. The cost of the arbitrator's copy is also shared. Post-hearing briefs. National Arbitrator Snow held in blah 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 that this section provides each party with the procedural right to file a post-hearing brief after notifying the other party and the arbitrator of its intent to do so. If one party's representative decides to close orally, the other party's representative will not be excluded from the hearing during closing arguments. When filing post-hearing briefs, at the time either party files its brief, a copy must be sent to the other party. The party who orally closes, at its discretion, may request leave from the arbitrator at the arbitration hearing to file a reply brief when they receive the other party's brief. There's a citation here. A copy of the reply brief must be sent to the other party when it is sent to the arbitrator. 18.4.B.8 8. The arbitrator in any given case should render an award therein within 30 days of the close of the record in the case. The parties enforce Article 15.4.B.8 by requiring arbitrators to sign a contract before being placed on an arbitration panel. The contract provides reduced fees to arbitrators if they fail to issue timely awards. 15.4.C. C. Arbitration expedited. 1. The parties agree to continue the utilization of an expedited arbitration system for disciplinary cases of 14 days suspension or less, which do not involve interpretation of the agreement, and for such other cases that the parties may mutually determine. This system may be utilized by agreement of the union through its national president or designee and the vice president labor relations or designee. 2. If either party concludes that the issue involves are of such complexity or significance as to warrant reference to the regular arbitration panel, that party shall notify the other party of such reference at least seven days prior to the scheduled time for the expedited arbitration. 3. 
the hearing shall be conducted in accordance with the following. A. The hearing shall be informal. B. No briefs shall be filed or transcripts made. C. There shall be no formal rules of evidence. D. The hearing shall normally be completed within one day. E. If the arbitrator or the parties mutually conclude at the hearing that the issues involved are of such complexity or significance as to warrant reference to the regular arbitration panel, the case shall be referred to that panel. And F. The arbitrator may issue a bench decision at the hearing, but in any event shall render a decision within five calendar days after the conclusion of the hearing. Such decision shall be based on the record before the arbitrator and may include a brief written explanation of the basis for such conclusion. These decisions will not be cited as precedent. The arbitrator's decision shall be final and binding. An arbitrator who issues a bench decision shall furnish a written copy of the award to the parties within 48 hours of the close of the hearing. 4. No decision by a member of the expedited panel in such a case shall be regarded as a precedent or be cited in any future proceeding except to enforce its terms, but otherwise will be a final and binding decision. The decisions of an expedited arbitrator are final and binding. However, they do not set precedents and may only be cited to enforce their terms. The Memorandum of Understanding regarding expedited arbitration identifies issues that will be resolved using the expedited arbitration process as outlined in Article 15.4.C. And here we have said memo regarding expedited arbitration. The expedited arbitration system will be utilized for the following issues. Article 2, Non-Discrimination and Civil Rights. Article 8, Posting, Sign-Up, 8.5.D Rotation, 8.5G 1260-hour limitation issues, requests for medical certification, restricted sick leave, individual requests for annual leave, sick leave, advanced sick leave, leave without pay, court leave, bereavement leave, and administrative leave for donating blood or voting. Individual holiday scheduling issues. Article 14, safety and health. Article 16, disciplinary grievances for issues of 14-day suspensions or less. Article 17, Representation, Section 17.3, 17.4, and 17.5. Article 22, Bulletin Boards. Article 23, Union Officials Entering Postal Installations. Article 25, Higher Level Assignments. Articles 26.2 and 26.3, Uniforms, Annual Allowance Issues. Article 27, Employee Claims. Article 28, Employer Claims of Less Than $5,000. Article 29, limitation, or of, limitation of Revocation of Driving Privileges. That must, must be a typo. It should be Limitation or Revocation of Driving Privileges. Article 30, Local Implementation, Section D, Violations of Existing LMOU Provisions. Article 31, Union Management Cooperation. MOU, Regarding Debts of Retired Employees. Hold Down Assignments. Article 41.1.8.1, Posting Vacant Duty Assignments. Article 41.1.8.2, Four-Month Rule. Article 41, Sections 3.A, B, C, E, G, H, I, K, N. Special Route Inspection not, in, not Conducted Within Four Weeks of Request. The parties at the national level will continue to attempt attempt to identify and agree upon additional issues to be heard in expedited arbitration. 
This does not change either party's right to refer an expedited case to regular arbitration in accordance with the provisions of Article 15, Section 4.C.2 of the National Agreement. 15.4.D. D. National level arbitration. 1. Only cases involving interpretive issues under this agreement or supplements thereto of general application will be arbitrated at the national level. 2. A docket of cases appealed to arbitration at the national level shall be maintained. The arbitrators on the national panel shall be scheduled to hear cases on a rotating system basis unless otherwise agreed by the parties. Cases on the docket will be scheduled for arbitration in the order in which appealed unless the union and employer otherwise agree. 15.5, Section 5, Administration. On a weekly basis, the employer will furnish to the president of the union or his or her designee an electronic spreadsheet detailing cases pending arbitration. This report will contain the following sortable fields or their equivalent. A. Area. B. Performance cluster. C. Union. D. Appeal step. E. Grievance arbitration tracking system number. F. Local union grievance number. G. Grievant. H. Finance number. I. Installation name. J. State. K. Issue code. L. Issue description. M. Receive date. N. Arbitration class. O. Heard indicator. P. Grievance type. Q. Discipline code. And finally, R. Discipline type. The preceding article, Article 15, shall apply to city carrier assistance. Additional grievance procedure provisions regarding city carrier assistance employees are found in Appendix B. See memos pages 200 through 212. Administration. Article 15.5 establishes that the efficient functioning of the grievance procedure and effective use of arbitration is the joint responsibility and prerogative of the NALC and the Postal Service. Neither party may make unilateral decisions concerning any aspect of the process. As provided by Article 15.4.8.3, the actual administration of the scheduling process, including any necessary correspondence concerning scheduling, is done by the Postal Service in accordance with mutually agreed-upon procedures. However, the administrative responsibility for scheduling does not include the right to unilaterally cancel an arbitration date as it has been scheduled. And there's a citation here. Here we have a memo between the USPS and the Joint Bargaining Committee, that's the APWU and the NALC, regarding interest on back pay, where an arbitration award specifies that an employee is entitled to back pay in a case involving disciplinary suspension or removal, the employer shall pay interest on such back pay at the federal judgment rate. This shall apply to cases heard in arbitration after the effective date of the 1990 agreement. The preceding memorandum of understanding, interest on back pay, applies to NALC city carrier assistant employees. And here we have a memo between the USPS and the NALC regarding Article 15, ELM 436, back pay. The following applies solely to back pay claims covered by Section 436 of the Employee and Labor Relations Manual. A pay adjustment required by a grievance settlement or arbitration decision will be completed promptly upon receipt of the documentation required by ELM Part 436.4, Documents in Support of Claim. Uh, 
An employee not paid within 60 days of submission of the required documentation will receive an advance, if requested by the employee, equivalent to 70% of the approved adjustment. If a disagreement exists over the amount due, the amount will be set at 70% of the sum not in dispute. The preceding memorandum applies to CCAs. Next, Memorandum of Understanding between the USPS and the NALC regarding Article 15 Dispute Resolution Process. The NALC National Business Agents, Area Managers, Labor Relations, and District Managers are responsible for ensuring that the dispute resolution process is effective in all ways, including the timeliness of grievance handling at all steps of the process. All parties are expected to monitor the functioning of the dispute resolution process and, generally, to assume a proactive role regarding the labor management relationship. In the event the national business agent and district manager or area manager labor relations are unable to resolve any differences, the issue will be referred to the national parties for resolution, an event which is expected to be an infrequent occurrence. To facilitate this oversight responsibility, Step B teams should send a copy of each decision to the respective national business agent and area manager labor relations. Additionally, in any district where there are more cases pending arbitration than can be arbitrated in a timely manner using the existing arbitration scheduling process, the appropriate area manager labor relations and national business agent are responsible for ensuring an ongoing review of the backlog cases in an effort to settle cases, select representative cases, reduce the backlog, and provide direction to the local parties. The primary role of the Step B dispute resolution team is to address grievances presented to them in a timely manner and to communicate the basis for the decision to the parties at formal Step A using format agreed upon at the national level. With the joint concurrence of the district manager or area manager labor relations and the national business agent, the teams may be called upon to provide training and other assistance to the local parties. The national parties encourage the use of the Step B dispute resolution teams to provide contract training throughout the district, especially when grievance activity suggests a lack of understanding of contract application or local responsibilities to address disputes in a timely manner. As noted above, however, the primary role of the Step B dispute resolution team is to process and resolve disputes in a timely manner. No other secondary activity should be undertaken if the timely processing of grievances is negatively impacted. Step B, Dispute Resolution Team and Backup Team, will be made up of one management representative and one union representative. Although the Postal Service and the NALC will each determine their own method of selection for Step B representatives, it is anticipated that the National Business Agents and District Managers or Area Managers Labor Relations will discuss their separate recommendations for appointment to the Step B dispute resolution teams prior to submitting recommendations. Backup Step B representatives will be designated for each Step B dispute resolution team to provide coverage for vacations or other lengthy absences or, when warranted by the workload, to ensure timely grievance processing. Backup teams may also be effectively utilized to provide training or other such assistance as may be agreed upon by the district manager or area manager labor relations and the national business agent. The Step B Dispute Resolution Team is responsible to track and monitor its Step B workload. When the Step B Dispute Resolution Team believes its current workload exceeds its ability to render Step B decisions in a timely manner within 14 days of receipt of the Step B appeal, 
the Step B Dispute Resolution Team will contact the Area Manager Labor Relations and the National Business Agent jointly. The National Business Agent and the Area Manager Labor Relations will determine jointly whether there is a need to activate the backup Step B representatives to address a backlog. If backup activation is necessary, the Area Manager Labor Relations and the National Business Agent will determine the most efficient and effective way to ensure timely Step B processing. They will either 1. Activate the backup Step B dispute resolution team without undue delay, normally within 48 hours subject to availability. The backup team will remain activated until the backlog is eliminated. For this purpose, availability means certified, employed by the Postal Service, and fit for duty consistent with the provisions of this memorandum. 2. Send Step B appeals to another primary Step B dispute resolution team under the jurisdiction of the Area Manager Labor Relations and the National Business Agent if they determine that this Step B dispute resolution team can handle the workload without causing the team's regular work to become untimely. If the National Business Agent and the Area Manager Labor Relations do not agree that another primary Step B dispute resolution team under their jurisdiction can handle the additional work without becoming untimely, the backup team will be activated as provided above. In the event the National Business Agent and the Area Manager Labor Relations determine neither the backup team nor another primary Step B dispute resolution team under their jurisdiction is available for this additional work based on the above, the Area Manager Labor Relations and the National Business Agent will activate another backup Step B dispute resolution team under their jurisdiction until the backlog is cleared. If the National Business Agent and the Area Manager Labor Relations are unable to identify a primary or backup Step B dispute resolution team for this work, they will promptly contact and fully inform their respective parties at the headquarters level. In the interest of providing stability and developing expertise, the parties expect that Step B representatives will serve for no less than two years, absent special circumstances including but not limited to retirement, promotion, relocation, and decertification. Replacement or removal of any Step B representative from Step B duties prior to fulfillment of this expectation will be discussed in advance by the parties at the headquarters level. Step B representatives will undergo a joint comprehensive training and certification program. Training and certification of Step B representative representatives including backup Step B representatives is required before Step B representatives may assume their duties. The national parties are jointly responsible for both the content and the delivery of the training and will meet at least once each calendar year to discuss training needs and schedule training sessions if needed. The NALC and the Postal Service reserve the right to certify their, their respective nominees to serve as Step B representatives. Step B dispute resolution teams are responsible for issuing decisions that are fair and consistent with the contract and the Joint Contract Administration Manual and written in a manner that is both educational and informative. The national parties encourage the Step B dispute resolution teams to jointly respond to questions concerning the proper interpretation or application of their decisions. Step B teams are not responsible for, for building the grievance file. It is the responsibility of the parties at Step A to exchange documentary evidence and place copies in the file. However, a file lacking proper documentation should be remanded to the local level or the Step B dispute resolution team should jointly call the local parties with a request for the submission of specific information within a specific time frame, whichever is more effective. The primary responsibility of the Step B team is making timely decisions on the merits of disputes. 
Step B representatives will not be involved in arbitrations or other hearings involving letter carriers except as jointly approved by the area manager, labor relations, and national business agent. Step B representatives may not be subjected to instruction or coercion while carrying out their duties. Unless alternate arrangements are mutually agreed upon at the national level, the Step B dispute resolution teams will work at the district office. When considering the use of an alternate location, the district manager or area manager labor relations and the national business agent are required to submit a a proposal to the party's national representatives at the headquarters level. If the designated national representatives jointly approve the use of an alternate location, any additional expenses will be shared equally by the local parties. Any Step B office that is in a location other than the district office is subject to a review process by the parties at the national level. As part of the review process, the designated national representatives at the headquarters level will determine, by mutual agreement, whether to maintain the Step B team office as located or move slash return to the district office. If the national parties cannot agree, the office will remain in its current location. The Step B dispute resolution team should be provided suitable office space, clerical support as typically provided in that office, and suitable equipment, e.g. speakerphone, computers, access to a copy machine, needed by the team to perform its responsibilities. Concerns about the performance of a Step B representative may be forwarded to the national level by either the Area Manager Labor Relations or the National Business Agent. When this occurs, the Vice President Labor Relations and the National President NALC or their designees, will review relevant evidence and determine jointly whether the subject of the complaint should be decertified from Step B responsibilities. In the event the parties are unable to agree on the issue of decertification, the the matter will be submitted to mediation. If a Step B representative's original duty assignment becomes a hold-down assignment, the NALC will not seek the conversion of a PTF employee to full-time as a consequence of a PTF serving that assignment and meeting the maximization criteria of Article 7.3.C or the Memorandum on Maximization. Removal actions subject to the 30-day notification period in Article 16.5 of the National Agreement will be deferred until after the Step B decision has been rendered or 14 days after the appeal is received at Step B, whichever comes first. Except for those removals involving allegations of crime, violence, or intoxication, or cases where retaining the employee on duty may result in damage to postal property, loss of mails or funds, or where the employee may be injurious to self or others pursuant to Article 16.6 and 16.7. The national parties will update the JCAM no less than once during the term of the national agreement. And here we have another memo between the USPS and the NALC regarding Article 15, Dispute Resolution Procedure Task Force. The parties mutually recognize that maintaining an efficient and effective dispute resolution procedure, DRP, is dependent on consistently productive Step B teams and contract compliance at all levels of both parties. In keeping with that concept, the parties agree to establish a DRP task force for the purpose of improving the effectiveness of Step B teams. The task force will be comprised of up to three members from the union and up to three members from the Postal Service, and will report to the NALC President and USPS Vice President Labor Relations. The principal purpose of the task force will be to monitor implementation of the procedures outlined below and to evaluate and recommend other methods for evaluating and improving Step B performance. 
the parties agree the following factors will be used to evaluate the effectiveness of individual Step B teams. Increasing grievance activity, grievance processing delays, reoccurring grievances, incomplete grievance files from formal Step A, consistent impasses on the same issue, Step B resolution rate below 80%, Step B decisions that are consistently not educational, Step B impasses that are unnecessarily lengthy, the area manager labor relations and the national business agent uh, or their designees are responsible for using the above factors to review performance of their respective step B teams. When a step B team is consistently experiencing one or more of the above factors, the AMLR and NBA or their designees will jointly review the circumstances and determine any action necessary to address the situation. This memorandum is effective during the term of the 2019 National Agreement. And here we have another agreement between the Post Office and the NALC regarding arbitration task force. Just a sec, let me get a drink. All right, here we go. The parties have a shared interest in reducing the cost and improving the efficiency of the arbitration process. To that end, a national-level task force will be established for the purpose of evaluating the current arbitration process and developing improvements and cost reduction measures. The task force will consist of three members appointed by the NALC and three members appointed by the Postal Service. The task force will consider various aspects of arbitration scheduling and procedure, including, but not limited to, district and or expedited arbitration panels procedures used to hire, educate, and compensate arbitrators, communications with arbitrators, including post-hearing briefs, ensuring that accepted hearing dates are fully utilized, avoiding settlements slash withdrawal less than five days before the scheduled hearing date, eliminating hearings for cases where there is no material issue in dispute, centralized arbitration scheduling. The task force will provide status reports that include recommendations to the NALC Vice President and the Vice President Labor Relations or their designees on a quarterly basis. The task force is prohibited from implementing any test or issuing instructions related to its mission without the agreement of the NALC President and the Vice President of Labor Relations. The task force will function during the term of the 2019 National Agreement. And here we have another memo between the USPS and the Joint Bargaining Committee regarding processing of post-removal grievances. The parties agree that the processing and or arbitration of a non-disciplinary grievance is not barred by the final disposition of the removal of the grievance, if that non-disciplinary grievance is not related to the removal action. The preceding memorandum of understanding, processing of post-removal grievances, applies to city carrier assistant employees. And here we have another memo between the USPS and the Joint Bargaining Committee regarding processing of grievances. It is agreed by the United States Postal Service, National Association of Letter Carriers, AFL-CIO, and the American Postal Workers Union, AFL-CIO, that the processing and or arbitration of a grievance is not barred by the separation of the grievance, whether such separation is by resignation, retirement, or death. The preceding memorandum of understanding processing of grievances applies to city carrier assistant employees. And here we have another memo between the USPS and the NALC. This one is regarding dispute resolution process testing. 
a national task force will be established for the purpose of jointly exploring methods to improve the dispute resolution process. The task force will consist of three members appointed by the NALC and three members appointed by the Postal Service. The task force will consider improvements and, as appropriate, conduct testing on various aspects of the dispute resolution process. The task force will provide status reports that include recommendations to the NALC President and Vice President Labor Relations or their designees on a quarterly basis. The task force is prohibited from implementing any test or issuing instructions related to its mission without the agreement of the NALC Vice President and the or between the NALC President and the Vice President of Labor Relations. This task force will function for the term of the 2019 National Agreement. And here's another memo between the USPS and the NALC regarding arbitration scheduling procedures, LMOU. The parties agree to the following concerning the scheduling of LMOU impasse arbitration cases during the term of this agreement. 1. LMOU impasses from each installation will be heard by the same arbitrator. 2. It is expected that multiple impasse items from an LMOU will be heard on each arbitration date. This agreement expires with the 2019 Collective Bargaining Agreement. Oh, and here we have a big blank page because we are done, baby. Oh, my goodness. Well, when we come back next time for more JCAM, we will go into Article 16, Discipline. But for now, let's be finished. All right, guys, stay safe out there. I'll catch you next time.